This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Ask Brothers Rant. Download all our content on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Enjoy. Welcome to this, an Ars Brothers Rantcast, an Ars Brothers Monthly. We're back for one of our monthly reviews. I think I've said monthly too many times there, but this is an Ars Brothers Monthly, and this monthly is for the month of December. Um, and it's, it's listeners, it's going to be a strange old podcast because we're kind of, we're kind of like time travelers. We're, we're, we've got one foot in the Emory era, we've got one foot in the Lumberg era, we, we're going to be talking about some things that were happening in the past that are now not going to affect our future anymore. It's like the butterfly effect, it's like time ripples, but we're going to push on and we're going to get through it. So as always, I am Max, your host of this this rabble of Arsenal fans that come together to try and bring you some kind of content to help get you through your drive or through that cleaning or help getting you through those dishes. And we're happy to do it and we love bringing it to you. I am joined, as always, by OG Toby, the one, the only, the original. Tobes, mate, you well? Yeah, I'm pretty good, buddy. A new a new era. So let's, let's have a, a chat and let's break down some shit. And all the way from America, joining us as always, are what I think is maybe like Five in the morning. Five in the morning. Brother Ryan. Ask Brothers Ryan. How are you, mate? It's actually 5.19 in the morning. Uh, I'm doing good. Um, I'm actually a figment of everybody's imagination. I am Manny's uh, white self. I'm Manny's assumed white person that loves uh, white people barbecues and just kicking it in my jean shorts with my homies. Don't forget about the backwards hat. Well, and course. hand jobs. <laughs> the sad hand jobs, but yeah, of course. <laughs> Guys, a new era, uh, a, a new, a new hope for Arsenal as as Freddie has come in and has taken the reins in an in an interim role, and you know we we're not going to be here this week, guys, to talk about so much of the stuff that all the other podcasts have spoken about. We're not going to do, are we happy or are we sad? We're not going to do, you know, a lot of stuff around, around the, uh, around the general narrative that's around the football club. So, so guys, this is what we're going to do today. We're going to try and crack through and get on to our three, two, ones and one, two, threes, because like I said at the top of the show, they really are from a, a now what is a time in the past, but we're going to go through it. We're going to have a look at who was good and who was bad for the last month of football. Four games in that month, uh, three of them under Unai Emery, one of them under sexy, beautiful Freddie. And um, then I figure we will just kind of move into a bit of general Arsenal talk and um, how we see the future going, how we see things happening. Um, but I guess first and foremost, before we, we really dig in, guys, uh, Toby, mate, Times have a changed. We're, we're moving in a new direction. I don't really want to spend that much time talking about the new direction immediately, but just how do you feel from a, a, a point of relief, you know, from a, from a state of, of something new? Is it, for you, is it like it is for me, that it's kind of like 
like new pussy, right? Like it wouldn't really matter who it was. It just wasn't who it's been. Just give me a moment while I, I take a sec to process that analogy, Max. Um, yes, it is exciting um, and fresh and tasty and not the same one you've been hitting for the last, you know, 10 years or so. Um, so thank you for, for that and making me go down that path. Um, but yeah, look, it, it's it's a relief. It's been way overdue, as I'm sure all of our all of us and all of our listen listeners have um, have been feeling incredibly overdue and and a relief and with a at the expense of trying to throw out another cliche you know this guy is someone that we that we feel and love and feels like the arsenal that we used to know so there's this very short period of time that we can really really just get behind him for god's sake and just enjoy it being different now in saying that and i know we're going to go into this further into the pod but we can't get too ahead of ourselves and very very quickly we're going to realize that he is not the messiah and that we still have this same ramshackle rabble of players that have been assembled in a completely whimsical off-the-cuff manner with no forward thinking or cohesion or the way the way they play with each other. Um, so I'm sure we're going to get that in into later. But look, coming back to your question, an amazing feeling just to hit the reset button. And whilst there is only the tiniest poofteenth of a speck of hope, there is still some hope that we can turn the season around. And um, my God, it was boring beforehand. So all praise to the new era. Mm. Ryan, mathematically... Mathematically, Arsenal could still make the top four. I mean, it would take some of the greatest shitting of the bed to have ever shit the bed. And I know a thing or two about shitting the bed, but it would take some of the greatest shitting of the bed of all time for us to get there. But top four is still in grasp. On a scale of one to ten, Ryan, how little too late has this move been? Well, I'm going to start off by saying hashtag Freddy out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I It's tough because we could – I definitely think we could do it. Um, you know, as we saw like the first like 30 minutes of our game against Norwich, you know, we're – I don't want to say we're back, but we're definitely playing more attractive football. You know, our, uh, our new ugly girlfriend got a nose job. Her face is still fucked up, but hey. She got a nose job, so it's a start. Um, but I, I, you know, it's tough because I, we're far behind. But I think so many other teams are going to poo the bed, and I think so many teams are due for you know a flu, some strep throat. You know, gonna gonna poo the bed just a little. And I think it's definitely it's definitely going to be enough for us to kind of sneak on in there if we go back to you know playing that. You know, nose job football and kind of just putting our, our foot forward and going all out offense because our defense ain't going to save us. Our defense is not going to get us top four. That is never a truer statement was said, Ryan. Never a truer statement was said. And I think that's something that as we kind of get through the show, we're going we're gonna to talk about a little bit further and we're going to get into a little bit further. 
guys, uh, for those of you who have been following the the show across this year, uh, there is a notable absentee. And that notable absentee is the smooth, smooth voice of one Manny Riz. Unfortunately, we have lost Manny Riz from the Ask Bros Rantcast show just for now. Manny's been working nights and it's been easy for him to jump on a show in Australia, but now he's back working normal human hours. He's unable to do it. But fear not, because we have spread our wings. And now the Ask Bros has not one show, Never but two shows. So we have Learn the Ask Bros so Rankcast, which is still going to be coming out at you monthly. And then we've got Manny. Who's, we've, Manny's doing his own show for us now. We've done a couple already. We did one with Andrew from Dial Square to Wear talking about the squad. Uh, we did one with Scunny Mike from Guns and Yellow Ribbons and Dan Potts from Same Old Arsenal podcast about the fan base. Um, and we're going to be releasing those either every week or every second week. So you're still going to be able to hear Manny's voice. It's just going to be on a, on a different release under the Ask Bros. So stay tuned, get into it, download and enjoy. Guys... <clears throat> I figured we'd dig straight into player of the month and shit cunts of the month. Our three two ones now one two threes. Now for people who've been listening to us long term, they understand that the four of us, me, Ryan, Manny, and Toby, all give three points, two points, and one points positive to our third best player, second best player, and first best player. But we also give three points negative, two points negative, and one point negative to our first, second, and third shittest player on the game. Now, we've been collating these for this month, and guys, we have our player of the month. And you know what? I'm really, really happy about this outcome, because we were just saying, we were, we were talking recently about how goalkeepers are always either the hero or the villain, and we don't tend to talk about them just being consistent. We don't tend to talk about them being having kind of average games, because we only really recognize them. A lot of the time when we're playing well, uh, sorry, a lot of the time when we're playing poorly because they're called into action. Now, for a team that has, has managed to draw 1-1 with Wolves, lose to Leicester 2-0, draw 2-2 with Southampton, and draw to Norwich 2-2, that would very much lean you to believe that uh, the goalkeeper had been called into question a number of times. And this month, our player of the month goes to the one, the only, Burnt Leno, 22 points positive, zero points negative for plus 22. Ryan, have we, uh, have we as Arsenal fans maybe underrated Leno a little bit? Um, definitely to an extent. Uh, very, you know, one of one of my many controversial opinion, opinions is I think he's the closest to world class that we have. On this squad, uh, I mean, you could debate players here and there, but I'm a huge Leno fan. You know, as being a being a huge German soccer fan, I loved when we signed Leno. Um, I had high hopes, high expectations for him, and I think he's delivered more times than not. Um, I think you could question his maybe his distribution and him playing out from the back. You know, it's not his thing, whatever. But uh, boy, has he made some really good saves, and he has definitely gotten us a few points. Um, De Gea like points, if I must. Uh, definitely something that uh, we definitely take for granted, since you know we've had the likes of, you know, Czech, and 
people really like Chesney. I, I didn't think he was that great as an Arsenal player, but we had the names um, kind of do yeah do okay. But I really think Leno is like the next coming, and I'm more excited than the average person um, about Leno. And hey, he leaves the league in saves, so he's definitely you know had to come into question and had to answer the 911 call that is the Arsenal defense game in and game out and I love him for it Toby um, as far as transfers go for Arsenal in the last let's call it the last three transfer windows I think for some reason Leno is one that, that seems to have maybe gone a little bit under the radar for a lot of Arsenal fans. We're not really speaking about him. Statistically, he, he is making the most amount of saves in the Premiership, and he's bailing us out of trouble. I mean, especially in a, in the last game against Norwich, he, he made not one but two real, real world-class saves um, that dragged us right out of it. For us to have a keeper of this talent at this age... I mean, is is he one of the names who you're really earmarking at Arsenal to look at and say, okay, well, as we move into this next stage of rebuilding, that is a, a rusted-on player, someone we absolutely do not have to look at upgrading? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I think that's kind of stating the obvious, really. Um, People had doubts about that, him last year. Uh, yes and no. I mean, when he usurped... Check, Petr Check. there was no looking back. Like, none of us could argue whatever goodwill or how much we loved Petr Cech as a character. When Leno came in, there was no question and there was never a looking again. You know, I, I can recall one or two flappy moments from, from crosses, but overall, he's been incredibly solid. And look, Arsenal's a, a team that can make any keeper look incredibly bad. You know, it's... Mm. The, the exposure that keepers have, the I guess the XG, you know, maybe we, would, we wouldn't have been using that terminology, um, you know, a few years ago or a decade ago or what have you, but the, the expected goal um, for, for Arsenal keepers or against Arsenal keepers rather was, was absolutely abysmal from the way we flood forward and expose um, the defence and, you know, and in turn the goalkeeper. So, look, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, at his age um, and the way keepers age, you know, we've got a long-term prospect and I don't believe the necessity, and especially with his injury record in spending huge dollars on a keeper that's going to sit on the bench and sook and cause trouble. You know, I think it's it's much better the way we have with, you know, Martinez and... Um, and uh, what's it, Matt Macy as well. So, you know, I'm all behind him. And with all of the, um, how do I describe this, absolute shite of this rabble of a squad, Leno is the is the least of our problems and something, at least one thing to feel positive about the future. I mean, it's attitude with keepers as well, isn't it? And I don't think that we've had a keeper with that, with that single-minded attitude since since Jens, since our last angry German. And I'm not saying that they're the same, but I mean, Leno does have that, you know, very cool, very calm demeanour. And he, I, I, I mean, there is some stuff about him. There is some, some stuff about him maybe 
not being the best distributor or maybe being a little bit one-dimensional. bloody check. He looked like a Yeah, a little bit one-dimensional in his distribution and maybe being a little bit overrated as well in that distribution. Because don't forget when he came in, that was the, the thing that he was primarily primarily spoken Look, about. Look, at least for. he's pragmatic though. I mean, he, he's learned to hit it long or play it short instead of only play it short. And at least that um, perception in real time, you know, and that ability to, to be agile and think on his feet, at, at least that's improved things. You know, he, he is the least of my worry at the moment. Yeah, and also too, uh, if people that don't follow the Bundesliga, uh, the team he came from, Bayern Leverkusen, at the time he was on the team, he had a lot of fast weapons on it. I wouldn't really say weapons because they definitely, don't get me wrong, they're not as good as Arsenal, but he had a lot of fast, quick weapons. Definitely, I think, made it a little easier for him to distribute. Uh, he had a lot of, uh, how do I say this, a lot of guys showing for the ball, not really standing around and kind of walking around like their shit don't sink with their Arsenal swagger, which I guess isn't really swagger because we definitely don't have any uh but yeah definitely someone that you know yeah like like toby said he's young he's 27 i'm so excited for him i I, he's got a future ahead of him i mean he's not you know martinelli young but for his position pretty young and you don't get good goalkeepers you don't get good goalkeepers younger than that exactly yeah exactly that's why i'm excited yeah yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna go and pull a a twenty one year old, twenty two year old. You might be able to pull someone that age who is a, a fantastic reflex goalkeeper or a fantastic, you know, single moment goalkeeper, shot stopping goalkeeper. But I mean goalkeepers and, and centre backs just, just seem to mature at that later age. I think it was Arsene Wenger. Yeah, it definitely Arsene takes Wenger, a while because Arsene the last Wenger big thing that, that came out was the sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah, the last big thing that came out was everyone said was Pickford. And look how he's doing in uh, Everton after he got his big contract. Well, yeah, I mean, here's, so a, here's, here's a question for both of you. Is Leno one of the top four goalkeepers yes. in the Premiership? Yes. That, I, yep. I love him without a question. I don't even, I'm not going to hesitate. I think he's going to be better than De Gea. I know big De, talk, I mean, De Gea's current German. form's not... De Gea's current form oh, has yeah, good no, no. for... For, for a while. So De Gea almost yeah. slips out of that that category now. But, I mean, I watch Allison and I, I don't see a, a, a gulf between Allison and Allison, who's, you know, widely regarded to be now, I guess, the, the best goalkeeper in the in the Premiership. There, there isn't a gulf there. I'd say Leno is a better keeper than, than Lloris when his elbow's facing the right direction. So, you know, I, I, think, there's a, I think there's something to be said about that part of the recruitment and that, that in all of the recruitment that we've had that is crap that single piece of recruitment actually ends up being quite good fucking hell we spent a long long time on that but good good need to talk about he deserves it. do it. not Definitely talk about it. our keepers enough and that's a fact toby coming in with two points for this month's our second best player of the month and you know what it's one that might grind people a little bit because of his recent performance, but coming in for second place is Alexandra Lacazette. 16, point po- 16 points positive, 3 points negative for plus 13. Now, you and I spoke about this briefly today. His performances away from home compared to the Lacazette that we see at home are drop-worthy. 
as in you're sitting on the bench, son. How do you feel about Lacazette for the two points, considering that he's got a couple of performances in there where he literally put the team on his back and carried them, and a couple of performances where he was fucking garbage? Yeah, I, look, it's it's a bit rocks and diamonds. Um, I, I think he's worthy of the of the second place for the month, but that's not saying a lot with this bunch of shit cunts, really. Um, it goes down to, you know, his work rate and his ability to play that nine and a half role and bring others into it. And look, regardless of um, of his overall performance, he he does try his ass off and he does lead the line very well. Um, look, the the last game was incredibly disappointing for him. I mean, he was on for negative three. For me, nothing came off whatsoever. Um, and it was a really poor all-round performance, including a couple of misses. So there is a difference between the player that we see at home and the player that we see away. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ryan, a lot of talk around at the moment that a truly ballsy manager or or... or the thing that we think that a top, top manager, top, top coach would do is recognize that it needs to be Aubameyang or Lacazette. And yet Lacazette is coming in with fantastic points for us. And Aubameyang is somewhere down near the middle and actually hasn't been firing this year. Now, I put it to Toby earlier today that Lacazette, for me, is more of the archetypal modern forward and Aubameyang is actually a throwback to a bit of a bygone era. And what I meant by that is if you take the top teams, your centre forward is actually now more of a platform to get the wide players moving, especially in teams like Liverpool, where I think Firmino is the best at doing it out of everyone. But for you, Lacazette coming in with two points, do you see him as as that archetypal modern striker or do you see him as something that is maybe not as good, something that's maybe overpaid or, or, or something that we can upgrade on or something that if we lost it, so-so, we can replace it? I don't actually know. Uh, he's uh, a weird a weird one, for, at least for me. Um, I love his work ethic. He's a workhorse. He likes to stick his foot in and get dirty, which, I mean, like you said, it's a modern-day striker. Most strikers really didn't really do that. Some don't really now. Uh, I was also uh, in our chat. I, I was kind of campaigning for him to maybe even try out the number ten role uh, a while back. I, I just, I think he's he's such a he's that guy on your on your Sunday football league team that you know you could put him anywhere and he's gonna do a job. He's gonna put a shift in. He's gonna fight for that ball. He's gonna will his team to win regardless. Don't really know if I could say that about him the last few games but definitely someone i rate highly on this team and uh you know i definitely i want him to kind of get his footing back i want him to find a spot in this team because i you know i was i wouldn't say i was against it but when you started banging the drum of you didn't like playing uh obama and lacazette together didn't really agree with you was you know eh, how could you you know leave a golden boot winner on the bench 
And Lacazette, I think, is just someone you need on your 11, your 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 workhorse, the guy that'll fucking not be afraid of anybody, you know. But you know, after watch, I mean, after watching his last two games, two, three, four games, definitely needs uh, an improvement. Definitely should maybe maybe come off the bench and get ha- back his his gusto, his libido, and his um, will to win off the bench because I think he could definitely do a job for us there. I mean, I still think our, our yeah, best I, period, our best period as a as a football club under Emery, have been when either Aubameyang has been off the bench or Lacazette has been injured and Aubameyang's been leading the line. So I I, I was sort of having this very brief chat with Toby today about the i the the concept of team and the concept of it not being individual contributions. Like, like, for example, I was having this chat with someone ages ago about Sanchez. I've forgotten who I was talking to. I might have been arguing with Manny. No, no, it was it was on the Hot Topic show. And I was arguing with Manny and, and Andrew from At Dial Square because they were saying about how much they how much weight they put on Sanchez. And I was arguing that, yes, even though Sanchez, his stats during the time when he was hot were so good that the team fell away around him because everything had to come through him. And as a result of that, I, I kind of look at things now and I look at teams now and I think, okay, well, if I can put a, what, Aubameyang score last year, 20, 25 goal a year striker up front, oh, fantastic. But if I can put a 15 goal a year striker up front who also connects the midfield to the strikers, releases the wide areas, does the hard work, does the hold-up play and can still get that goal return as well, that... I almost feel like maybe Lacazette for balance is actually the better striker. Toby, am I am I crazy? Am I crazy on this this anti Yang run that I'm on at the moment? No, no. Look, I, I think you're absolutely right, and and I think where we need to be going is not the output, as as you say, or solely the output. If we're looking at round pegs in round holes or the cohesion between the players or the fact that we're so disjointed front to back, we really need to be playing with a more traditional approach in that you actually have someone leading the line. Trying to shoehorn these two guys into a front two partnership, it's fucking killing us. Absolutely killing us. So having a guy, as you say, and having two more traditional wingers or outside forwards with pace and power um, and who do the tracking back as well. So we need progressive ball runners with, you know, that what Martinelli did in his four minutes on the left wing against Norwich showed exactly how we need to be more moving forward in terms of that balance. And in turn, those wide players can actually protect our fucking absolutely abysmal midfield in terms of how they protect the um, the backline. So, no, you're not crazy. Abamyang on output at the moment, for me, probably starts. But I think the crux of what we're trying to get to here is that it's one and not two. And if you're at a big club, you're going to have to sit on the bench. You're still going to play an absolute fuck ton of games. We've got four competitions. You know, you come on. Don't you think we should have a competent striker coming on in the 60th minute instead of looking at your bench and getting kids to come and change the game. Like the, the pressure the, that's the put Kanu on them. I think the era, Toby. 
you know, having someone <sighs> who was ha- having someone I love that who, who was a genuine attacking threat on the bench. I mean, even um, Burkamp, and he was about number it, three. He was yeah, about number and, three because Burkamp yeah, wouldn't always play. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and even so, I was looking, it's balanced, I was looking Max. back That's... through our. I was looking back through our. I keep crapping on about this two thousand eight squad. And I, I know people keep tweeting me saying, what's your your full-blown erection for this 2008 squad? But I genuinely believe 2008 was the last time that we had the best team in the competition and we didn't win. But, you know, I was looking back through that and we had like um, Adebayo, Van Persie, Bentner, Eduardo at one point. Like, fuck. <laughs> you know, like, fuck. That's a lot of firepower. Um. I, I just think that maybe if someone was to say to me right now, I will give you seventy-five million pounds for Obama Yang. Take it. That I would take that money without question. Reinvest it Shake your hand elsewhere. Off. Yeah, yeah. Reinvest it elsewhere and build a team actually around Lacazette's work rate, not around Obama Yang's goals. And I, I and, know and I share repeat. the goal return as well. Yeah, yeah. And this was if my you share argument the, with Sanchez. We don't score goals for midfield. We don't really score goals across the front three or four. The whole load is on Aubameyang. And he's such a low-touch player that he's not really going to influence the game that well. Now, and I'm not excusing what, Toby, Lacazette in the last game. I thought he was total shy and had a bad attitude. It's reflected in Aubameyang's points every month. He often gets negative points. Yeah, because so if he Obama doesn't score... He, yeah, because exactly. if he doesn't, if he doesn't score... score he's negative points, without a doubt. Because he does fuck all, and we sit there and we look at him and we go, oh, well, he did fuck all. He doesn't do a huge amount off the ball. Yes, he has done in specific games before people start jumping on it. Yes, there are moments when he tracks back and he links playing, does things. But generally speaking, I, Valencia I think... away. Yeah, I, I think, honestly, one of the things that has hurt this team the most is the lack of balance. And the lack of balance of having wingers play on the wing and strikers play up top. And no, I don't think they should be shoehorned into the team together. Though I do think at home, if you're going to play a dominant possession-based game, fuck yeah, shoe them in. But away from home, it's got got to be one or the other. Yeah, I'm pretty sick of it, actually. And it's funny, too, uh, kind of what you were saying, Toby, about Martinelli coming on in four minutes doing a job. I, it's tough because I'm kind of a little bit on the Martinelli train a little bit, but I also see what we did against Doozy and burnt him out so much that I don't really want to play him as much. But I think yeah, Martinelli, but that's a bit different, right? Because Genduzi was overplayed because he was golden bollocks. He was Emery's fucking love child. You know, it was he could do no wrong. He we're he gonna was get actually, to Genduzi. We're going to get... Okay. Anyways, my fair, point was... Fair enough, but the comparison with Martinelli I don't think is apt and the difference, because Genduzzi was overplayed, whereas Martinelli has forced himself into the reckoning. That doesn't mean he has to play 90 minutes every game. Can yeah, I just true, say Martinelli, here's what I'm Martinelli trying to get has done it the right way, which is where uh, he, he is yeah. forcing himself into the team where Genduzzi was done the wrong way. Genduzzi I agree, based- I agree. But my point yeah. is, I, I think Martinelli needs to play a lot more. And I think that Martinelli has a lot of, if not all of the qualities Aubameyang has. And he's, he's 18, what, 18, 19 years old? He's 18. And he could play left wing. 
We, doesn't matter. He's we 18. Say like, oh, we don't like a bot. He's 18. I know. We he's always, being used he's 18. exactly Great. the he's, way that he's legal. he should be it. being used. He's being used exactly the exactly. way he should be being used. I, could, Look I completely at agree. But, Look at Genduzzi and then take your fucking erection for Martinelli out of his ass and realize that if you go and you start throwing that guy and you start saying, fuck it, let's start him, that you're just going to burn another kid out. Toby, you and I were talking about this today. What happens with young kids? They've got all well, the Well, they balls. fire on all cylinders and yep. they burn really bright for a short period of time. I actually disagree with you. I think he's more than capable of being thrown in because these players play on instinct. The, the, the difficult or the more forward thinking management is knowing when to take them out of that fire exactly. and Look, rest them and how to man-manage them. You'll get the same response well, he, out exactly. of Martinelli that you got with Saka. You got three games with Saka. He was, I think, man of the second, second man oh, of the all month. Of them. All month. of them. Last month, Genduzi comes in. He's man of the month. They're kids. They don't have enough in the tank. They don't have enough durability. And the thing is, when they're young, Ryan, and when they're coming in, and when they're being fed in in small amounts of time, it's all gravy for them, right? There's no pressure. There's no financial pressure. There's no, you're £350,000 a week player, so you've got to go out and win. It's nothing but just go out there and do it. So in, in some ways, I completely agree with you. You could throw him in and you will get a response out of him. But picking that time is really important because it's maybe going to last for three games. And the thing I would worry about is that by doing that in the Premier League, you lose what he's giving you in the Europa League. Guys, talking about new players and new signings, coming in for our one point, his first appearance in the Man of the Month 3-2-1s, Kieran Tierney. 11 points positive, 0 points negative for 11 points positive. Now, Toby, I'm going to kick it off with you. Is Kieran Tierney sure. the best prospect we've had at left back as far as ceiling since Cashley, Jermaine Pennant, Threesome, Cole. Why, when did Cashley have a Cashley and Jermaine, Jermaine Pennant, Pennant had a fucking threesome. Oh, did they? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. They, they they, smashed someone in. I don't know whether it was the well, one Well, good on them. One too many dicks marrying. for my liking, but, you know, good on them. If that's, Man, I'd get down with the roll. devil's three-way. Yeah. You know? Anyway, You're the kind of guy that would cross things. swords, Max. Don't lie. I wouldn't. I You'd wouldn't totally cross. cross I, I wouldn't cross. I wouldn't cross swords. But I mean, you would play fucking Star Wars and pretend they're lightsabers <laughs> and just go nuts. <laughs> but Toby, uh, Kieran is Kieran Tierney the highest ceilinged prospect we've had since Cashley, and that takes into account all of our right backs as well. I just yeah, right backs look, in general. Oh, probably. If you it, look cliche, Kieran Gibbs definitely. Better. Better. There's a higher ceiling than those two. I think he's got a higher I mean, higher Kieran Gibbs than... was, and, and Clichy, the, both of them were fucking weapons of athletes. But, you know, Kieran Gibbs was was made of glass and had no end product. Um, Clichy was solid, but, you know, not not amazing. Was, so, look, I'm, I'm going to probably agree with you. I'm probably going to agree with you um, in terms of that prospect. I, th I think he's he's been very good. He's actually been quite suspect defensively for me. Um, he's played very well in the Premiership. I thought his last game in the Europa League was was quite poor, actually. Um, and I saw him struggling a little bit um, physically and then with some of the marking. 
as well. But yeah, I'm I'm super buoyant about him, about his um, technicality, certainly about his delivery. Um, I love his work rate. He actually really seems to enjoy a tackle and really get in there. I, I think he needs to um, come up physically um, for the Premiership, but... He's, he's certainly got a very high ceiling, and um, and I am excited. The one thing I have to say about him, though, um, and this game that Arsenal are playing at the moment, which which really worries me, is we're playing a big crossing game without any natural header of the ball in the centre, and it's it's really wasted. It's almost. Yeah, but that's, like, that's I'm not going to say it's like Moyes, Man United crossing, though, type of level. That's one time. No, no, he's got multiple crosses. And, I, and I absolutely I understand that. But we... the, the kid has like four or five variations of a cross. And, and I mean, at our best under Emery last year, it was byline. It was hit the byline and, and cut balls back. So, you know, as much as I do, as much as I do yeah, agree with you on the Which worked at the point, start and then got old. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, until people worked it out. But I mean, as much as I, I, I do agree with you, um, that you know, hitting big booming crosses into the box is is pointless for this team because, fuck, Ober hasn't scored a lot with his head. I don't even think Lacker scores a lot with his head. He's not that bad, but he's he's not exactly tall. Martinelli um, is actually our best header of the ball, but you know that's neither here nor there at this point. Ryan, KT, how do you feel about the kid? Are you? Are you like the rest of us and, and, and really, really, really pumped up? And is he one of those names that, you know, in a landscape that might change like we were talking about with Leno? Is he one of those names where you say, no, I can I can build a squad for the future around this kid? Yeah, he's another one. I'm definitely, I'm really excited about him. I try to stay cautious because I feel like a lot of the... Um, the hype behind him, I feel, is mostly from Celtic fans, mostly from diehard Celtic fans that saw him play, and are just like, "Oh, you're getting such a player. He's so good." And this, I did. Hey, I, I think he's great so far. I think he's adapted to the Premier League faster than I would think. Uh, his crossing's great. Offensively, as a left back, I think he's very aware of what he what his main job is. But he's also, I think just aware of how to, you know, where to make runs, when to make runs, how to put the ball in. He could deliver a nice flat cross. He could kind of chip it up, uh, which, like you guys said, chip, you know, we really don't have any headers on the team. You know, Lacazette's only 5'9", not that tall. Uh, I I, st- I still miss you, Drew. Come back, baby. But, you know, it, <laughs> it's, it's funny. we really it's don't funny. have It's funny, Toby, Toby was <laughs> just saying this on the phone today about the idea that maybe not Giroud starting, but maybe having a player like Giroud in the squad, you know, as far as that plan B option would would, would go miles towards us having some some changeability. Yeah, I think he would de- I think he definitely and he think he would def- definitely benefit us a lot. And I mean he did get a chance to play with him, but I also think too, you know, Ozil's been taking a lot more of our set pieces now that he's been in the lineup. Ozil's not the kind of person when taking, you know, free kicks and stuff. He's not really one to shoot. He doesn't really have a hard shot. He needs that. He needs that head in the box. He needs that that fox that's going to fucking find that ball and put it in the back of the net. Um, 
I'm open to it. I know it's. Cr- I know I'm. I'm talking crazy here. My French. My fr- my first French love. But uh, I think we could get him for fairly cheap too. You know, he's not really playing. T- I think he did start. I think for Europa. Um, for There's Chelsea. no way Giroud's coming back to the but, club. No way. No, let me let me dream, Max. Let me dream. <laughs> dream dream about look as a bench French option. Person. I mean. That ship has well and truly sailed, and and he wasn't yeah. cutting the mustard for us at the time. And anyway, because he's played as a number one, it's because he's played as a starting striker, which he isn't. But because he but he was overplayed, he to be, and he wants to be a starting striker as yeah, well. Yeah, he's old yeah, now. He was I think he needs to kind of look in the mirror at his beautiful face and realize, you know, maybe I need to be a plan B. Maybe I need to be, you know, uh, in America in the NBA, they have that they have like a sixth man award, which you know he he doesn't start, but. He comes on the field and he's a difference maker, and I, I, th- I think he could be that guy. You know, yeah, like I, I said, knew he was going to fuck us to, in the ass in the Europa so. League, and he did. I nearly put a bet. Even on Even wiggled it around. If I was, yeah. if I was a worse fan, I said when we walked in, there was a TAB in the pub that we were in that we were watching a game in, and I said, "Fuck!" Every part of my being just wants me to put fifty bucks on Giroud to score a goal mm. against us. Yeah, and his but link I up with um, Hazard that game was sensational as much as it pains me it goes back toby it goes back heavily to what i said earlier on about lacazette the lacazette Obama yeah. even if you look at what Giroud did for france in the world cup with mbappe and uh griezmann you know either side of him running on you do not need a 25 goal a year striker anymore 30 year ago 30 goal a year striker. well not anymore. a one-dimensional yeah. look at what karim ben look yeah. at what your karim attack ben- comes through your wings Look at what Karim Benzema has been doing at Real. He just signed a new contract at Real. What does that tell you? Yeah. How many fucking managers has that club had? And every single one of them comes in and goes, Benzema, centre forward. Yeah, you know, I, th- yeah. I think it's more... And not only art. that, it's bringing the midfield into the game. And, and we have lacked goals from midfield, dare I say, since Wenger. Yeah, well, we're not... You know, that, that era where our team was built around multiple goals, you know, 10 goals here or there from multiple players rather than the burden sitting with, with one player. We've gone so much deeper into these sort of player reviews than I ever expected us to. But it's great because it's popping up different bits of conversation from from these starting points. So, guys, to finish off, just to recap, Leno, three points for the month of December. Lacazette, two points for the month of December. Kieran Tierney, one point for the month of December. Guys, into the negatives. Into the negative points. So, negative one. Socrates. Socrates, boys. <sighs> I was of the opinion, and and I can hear Manny grinding his teeth as I even think this thought. And I'm hoping that I'm going to get some love here, but I might also get some hate. Toby, I was thinking, I was walking around my kitchen doing the dishes as the lineups came out for Arsenal. I watched it the next morning. I got up, I did the dishes. I put it on the television. I put on the Optus Sport and I heard them say Mustafi. And I didn't mind. <laughs> I didn't mind, Toby. I no. didn't mind because I thought Mustafi is such a better passer than Socrates. And I swear to fucking God, they're as much of a liability as each other. Yeah, well, no doubt. I mean, it's become that way with with Socrates. He, he is 
a walking sad eyes fucking liability at the moment and it's it's getting beyond a joke he's switching off he's making errors playing out from the back he's letting men run in behind him he he just looks scared and he needs to be taken out of the firing line with um with uh, Mustafi and, and also old mate Granite Xhaka being reinstigated into the team by, by Freddie. Um, look, two things. I think there's logic in terms of on-field performance, you know, passing out from the back, um, greater mobility, sprint speed to close down the space, all of those things that Mustafi is actually good at. And I don't think there's any denying those things. Mustafi, stats-wise, would be, you know, traditionally one of the better defenders in the league. The problem is when he fucks up, he fucks up hard. We already we already know this. We don't need to go over old ground. But also with um with with Freddie, it's a clean slate. So what he has an opportunity to do with these players grossly out of form, who've been ostracised and marginalised and beaten down by by the fan base and the media, hey, guess what? You've got an opportunity to bring players in from the cold, tickle their balls a little bit, make them feel part of something, and it's almost win-win because you get the strengths of their games back, particularly, and our distribution from midfield is poor anyway, so distribution from the back is is important. Um, But you've also got an ability to find some worth in them for resale value so it's you you can't have players who are completely dead completely buried completely ostracized completely flushed down the toilet and then expect them to be able to leave so i i feel like it was i saw the logic with freddie he's building back some confidence in a shattered squad and then in looking at the overall squad picture and saying Look, these poor performances, these um, the, the these confidence issues that these players have, it's a new era. I'm backing you. This is a clean slate. So anyway, apart from from the errors, which were which were obvious, um, I certainly saw the logic with it with Freddie. Ryan, bringing it back to Socrates, because to agree. we ended up talking about Mustafi there, but considering this was a guy that last season all of us quite liked we we quite liked his heroicness we we celebrated the way that he celebrated a tackle like a goal and for a lot of us we saw him as a leader for many of us not me and i don't think you guys but for many of the arsenal fan base socrates was a name that was thrown up as a captain when we were in struggle Mm. town i i definitely was on that boat so Still am to an extent, but pisses me off. We like a shout of that. We like somebody who really dives in. Last season, uh, do you think that maybe he is he has fallen foul of the system, or do you just think this is what Socrates is, and we either didn't see it last year because he was a shiny new toy, or or maybe we were just a little bit more functional last year? He's the one player that just probably i've ever watched where i could say he's so fast but he's so immobile i know that doesn't make any fucking sense but 
we uh, I forget which pod we had we were talking about this on, but I think it was when we played Crystal Palace. He sprinted with I want to say Zaha. I don't even, I don't know mm-hmm. what game it was, but yeah, the man could fucking move. It so was. He was so on. immobile. He went toe to toe. It's very it's very strange. And I think while, he's a yeah, mobile. I love I, a I shouter. Think he's a mobile with the ball. I think yeah. that's his issue. I think issue. just I defending, think he's, like he's, knowing where to be, he just oh, I don't you know, can't get stuck you, in the mud. In a in a way, Ryan, you almost have to not have a go. Again, I can hear Manny. I can hear him. Bruv, don't say these things. No, but no, <laughs> no. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> yeah. But I in a you, way, you, oh, I miss you, Manny. Come back to me. In a way, um, you almost can't have a massive go at these defenders without bringing up the system and without bringing up the midfield. And, and this is the conversation that almost everyone has been tripping over again and again and again and again on Twitter and on podcasts and on all the places that we follow, that these guys can't all be that bad. And Socrates was maybe not that, not as bad last year with an informed Torreira in front of him. So I, I agree with you, you know, hugely in a lot of ways. But, oh, mate, these guys are being made to look like mugs. Where I take issue with Socrates is that a lot of his negative points aren't actually based around him backing off or him getting done or the midfield leaving him exposed. My issue with Socrates is that he's a fucking idiot. He's incredibly insecure with the ball. And I, I don't know, Toby, answer me this. Was he m- as much as a like whinging little sad face, cry eyes pussy last year? Or or is this him reacting and, and now he is a whinging, sad face, cry eyes pussy? Yeah, I, I, I definitely think it's a product of the team's poor form. You know, and I, and his form has dipped with that. So, look, I I still think he has it in him, but players' forms dip, and it's only those highest echelon players that have that consistency. And, and unfortunately for us, we've lost a lot of that experience has walked out the door. I don't think he's a bad defender. I don't think I don't think any of our defenders are particularly good, but I don't think any of them are as bad as how we make them look. So I feel that there is hope for him yet. I don't feel like there's a future beyond this season of him being a first choice. I think well, he's, that was my he's next, that a great was my squad next player. That was my next question. Mo- moving want, forward. If you want to handle yeah, it. I, I think it, he's got those... He's on the sale heap for next season, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, he's got the combative qualities that we love and, and that's what we need from um, from our guys. You know, not this ridiculous backing off and and giving the players the space and you know it's almost an invitation for you know huge xg it's it's hugely frustrating and and louise won't come into this discussion i don't think because of the points but an an abysmal defender in terms of being on the front foot or working in a partnership and stepping up together and closing down the space This, this backing off shit Louise was, Louise was six points positive, one point negative for a score of plus yeah, five. And, and the positives would come from his distribution and, and how distribution. good a footballer yeah. he looks rather than his defending. But anyway, back to, back to Socrates. It, it is an issue. I'm not willing to throw him completely under the bus yet. Needed but he to needs dropped, to though. find... 
He certainly needed to be dropped. He needs to find a partner that works together with him and with his attributes. And it might be the fact that, you know, the, the fullback is exposing him even more so and not working in a partnership. It certainly will be Genduzi fucking going wherever the fuck he wants to go and the midfield being sliced through. People like Xhaka being too slow to track back and being bypassed and Torreira being genuinely out of form. So I feel that that Socrates is poor form. Some of it, like you said, is self-induced and individual errors. It's, it's not all because of the team, but it's a product of those around him as well. I guess as long as we're going to be talking about system and we're going to be talking about midfield, we should probably move into the negative two and the negative three from the last month of football. The and not surprisingly, segue. not surprisingly, guys, yep, as always, Toby, like we planned it, we move into the, the final <laughs> two groups of negative points. So coming in with negative two, we'll just handle them together because it's much of the muchness and we've, we've spoken about this in depth already, but Matteo Genduzzi, two man of the month months so far, coming in as our second worst man of the month with zero points positive, Minus 15 for an overall score of minus 15. And Lucas Torreira, zero points positive, negative points 22 for an overall score of minus 22. Now, Ryan, I'll put this to you. And, and this is, as you know, this is this statement is an incredibly painful statement for me to make. Our midfield looked better with Granite Jacket in it despite Granite Jacker being a shit cunt. Thoughts? I actually completely disagree. I think the reason, well, I shouldn't say completely, the reason why we looked worse without Jacker was just, it's, it's just a time, in my opinion, it's a timing thing. I think the whole uh, Jacker debacle and him, you know, fucking with the fans, I think came at a really bad time. I think once it happened and he got out of the team, was kind of around the same time we Emery kind of lost the dressing room. And I think at that same time, Emery kind of – I mean, he always kind of switched up game plans here and there. But I think he – it really came to a head uh, when Jaka kind of got taken out of the team and kind of all hell broke loose in the midfield. Uh, I think that – oh, and, and another thing too I'd like to add that uh, most of the minuses for Torreira were from – you two fuckers, not from me. Uh, whereas, yeah, I don't think he was... He definitely wasn't good by any stretch of the imagination. But I also kind of took into account that he was not... Emery did not play him. He was deplorable a couple of times regardless couple. of where he was. Re- ah. Regardless. Look, at no point has Emery actually played him as a number 10. Emery played him as an 8. I heard this on a podcast the other day and I just nodded my head and had to agree with it. I was like, that's so true. It's almost no way that Emery has said to him, park yourself on the edge of the box. So whether he doesn't understand or whether he's trying to make a fucking point by saying, I'm a defensive midfielder, so because you won't play me as a defensive midfielder, I'm going to stand so fucking high up. I don't know. Toby, I, I know you were like me after the Norwich game, you probably walked off thinking Xhaka was the best of a bad bunch in the midfield, despite getting bypassed a little bit. Yep, and 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 we looked better for it. And that's not excusing his 
flaws, which we know. Those yeah, flaws know aren't going to go away. It's not even it's not even the cunt thing. It's about being slow. It's about being dispossessed with his back to goals. It's about not having the explosive power to close down the space. However, what he is really good at is controlling the ball moving forward and the forward passive passing the incisive passing the bringing the fullbacks into the, into play i thought his passing was was really really good and he he added a few steals into things as well he was stepping forward and and intercepting i when, i when actually did this agree happen? with you i don't remember any of this happening I thought he was yeah, terrible. Yeah, but you don't like him. You gave, so Jacker, you're, you gave he, Jacker a negative point, Ryan. You thought yeah, he, the he gave the ball away a few pitch. times. I, I don't know what you guys him, are talking about. He carried the ball. I very nearly gave him music. a positive point. He was, he was right there. He he's was ter- right there terrible. with my positive points. Hmm. I, don't know. I, I think people need to get over their dislike of a person and By start people, seeing the game you, as the game. He means you. I don't dislike... Okay, no, I do. Okay, <laughs> you do. Okay, I definitely do. dislike and him. Look, and I'm not having a crack at you, but I'm I just am. saying... I'm having a massive we need, crack at you, Ryan. We, we need to get over going with a narrative, all right? People decide on players and they're fucking shit. He was they further back than our centre-backs most of the game. There is a reason... There Good. is a reason that Freddie picked him. Everyone fucking hated Emery. Everyone was over it. it. He was a rod for Emery's back. I'm not saying he's a good player. I'm not saying he's the future. I'm not saying he should be the captain. But out of that bunch of shit cunts, and I really fucking mean shit cunt when I'm talking about Genduzi fucking wandering around, having no physique to be up to pace with the premiership, positionally unaware, letting runners run past him, you know, Torreira being grossly out of form and potentially not as good as we thought he was as well. The one thing with Xhaka, positionally, he knows where it's at and he brings others into the game. His passing is superior from that deeper role from Genduzi and Torreira and Ceballos isn't suited to that role either. Out of a shit bunch, there is a reason that he started. Now, what we need to do is we need to close the space of the players around him so we're operating in smaller zones, all right? You cannot leave one dude tall, unathletic, and slow against breakaway counterattack opposition. That ain't ever going to fucking work. If all you right? literally replace Jacques' about, name think about, with Pereira. Let me finish. Think about Gareth Barry. Carrick at Man Barry. City. <laughs> think no, about no. Michael. Think about Michael Carrick at Manchester United. Exactly. Were they fast? Were they fast? This is a coaching issue. Now I'm they not saying Xhaka is a superstar or the answer moving forward, but I think people take cheap shots with low hanging fruit. Uh, I fucking hate Xhaka. He's a cunt. Uh, I no, fucking but hate Toby. Mustafa. I do hate Xhaka, and he is a cunt. So Damn. boom. Fine. No, Boom. yeah, no, but I'm, I'm, I'm Boom saying, rested. in, the, I'm saying that we did not improve with Jacker out of the team. We did not. Now, whether that is, I'm, I'm not all, all of that's on Emery. That's not on our uh, midfield. No, I that's don't think Emery. it's on Emery. Is Ryan, it on Freddie too? Hashtag Freddie out. <laughs> it wouldn't matter what combination of players you put in that midfield. It is incredibly fucking unbalanced. There is no balanced Boom. midfield you. that you exactly. can put together. Of all of the names, you pull one of those guys out and put in Ceballos, you've got a problem. You pull one of those guys out and you put in Willock, 
you've got a fucking problem. You pull Xhaka out and you try and play Genduzi deep. Guess what? You've got a fucking problem. The issue is, is that entire midfield has been constructed from like a fucking box of like scattergun. Yeah, scattergun. it's 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 like my yeah. wife's box of fucking sewing shit. Like you say to her, "Hey, can you sew this?" And she says, "Yeah, there's shit in the box." But guess what? Nothing in the box fucking matches, man. Like nothing, and I don't know how to sew, so I'm fucked. I've got holes in my pants. And Jacka, mm. our midfield is is just it's a fucking ginormous hole in your pants. It's a fart hole in your pants. There's shit yep. coming out of it, and it's fucked, right? There is no way. Like getting back onto point because I I went down a fucking rabbit hole there. It's a, I'm in Victoria's office. Yeah, I'm doing the podcast in Victoria's office, and I'm just looking at a box. Maybe you should buy her some sewing equipment for Christmas. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should just refocus and make your point. I'm I am I'm focused, Toby. There is no combination of players currently at Arsenal that you can build a dual pivot or a three-man midfield out of that actually fucking works. That's my statement. And the only guy who's who's capable or who would be capable of knitting that together is a happy, healthy determined and connected Lucas Torreira and regardless of what anyone says that motherfucker wanted out of England last year he doesn't want to be there there's clearly a fucking issue with him and 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 moving this on to what our next point was which was what does Freddie have to work with what we're talking about is exactly the fucking problem with what Freddie has to work with you know Lucas Torreira has no fucking long passing Lucas Torreira is a give and go player Lucas Torreira is a, is a bulldog Spot who on, apparently Max. doesn't Spot want to on. be a bulldog. It, well, you, yeah, if he doesn't want to be a bulldog, that's on him. But still, okay. if he... So if, you need players close to him and you need to work in partnerships. But and there this is, is the no problem. midfield that Freddie can put together that works right now, whether that be... Well, yeah, right based, now because like they've been tainted by Emery's poison. That's why. Yeah, and, and, and this brings me to, you know, so many of the Arsenal fans complaining about the fact that Freddie couldn't get a tune out of that midfield with one training session and 72 hours with the team, which I thought was wild. Just wild that anyone could sit there and say anything about Freddie. Call the players out. Call Unai out. Do whatever you want. But don't fucking walk out of the Norwich game at 2-2 and start having a pop at Freddie because he picked a team that, in my opinion, made a huge amount of sense. Because when I look at the team that Freddie picked, do you know what I see? I see him saying, we have not had the passing ability in the team. We have not had the ability to break the lines. So I'm going to put all of the key passes in the team and we're going to try and play with a high press. That made sense to me. When I saw the team come out, I saw Xhaka in the team and I was like, that makes sense to me because with Torreira and Genduzi back there, you don't have the guy who's going to make the final third entry pass. When I saw Socrates come out of the team and I saw Mustafi and I was like, okay, cool. There's a guy who's going to pass. The only part of that team that didn't make any sense to me was Ozil off the left. And I think that Freddie learned a lesson there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think and he when you saw the 11 as a whole, I think it was shocking because I think he, quote unquote, blew it up too much. But when you when you systematically break each substitution down... 
and you talk about it, I, I no, agree. No, the subs I think were weird. The every, subs were really strange. At, well, the, yeah, the that's, that's a different good. story. But the, the 11, if you that's break another, it down, I thought, what, what, agree. I, I think every every uh, move made sense as far as starting 11 is concerned. I, I agree with you. But, yeah, when you look at it as a whole, it's Mustafi and Jaka in the team. It's scary. It's definitely – It's and Louise. I don't like it. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I don't hate Louise as much as uh, – my uh, other twin Manny, but yeah, I I didn't like it either. But who do you have? You have an injured holding. Yep. You have Chambers. Oh wait, he's the right back. You don't have you know. Shouldn't have been the right back. Personnel. Should have been playing centrally. Yeah, I don't, Chambers is not a right back. I'm sorry. Yeah, but Bellerin was Bellerin had a Bellerin had a knock or Bellerin had an injury. Well, yeah. No, no, no. At first, for, I was saying sure, AMN, sure. but then I'm hearing that he. Uh, is not him and Freddie got into it a little bit on the training ground, and he's not really going to see any game time anytime soon. But before knowing that, you know, you easily you put AMN there, you put Chambers, you know. Again, you're blowing it up a lot. You know, you're blowing the whole 11 up, you're changing it up, which I guess we need because Emery really fucked this team. I, I think people underestimate how much Emery fucked this team up. I would just like now, to put now, this out. I would just let's, like to put let's, this out let's there, Let's go Toby. somewhere else with that. No, Toby, I'd like to put yeah. this out there because I'm, I'm going to throw this to you because it's something that we were talking about yeah. today. Because it's really interesting that yeah. Ryan's, Ryan sits there and says how much Emery fucked this team and how much Emery fucked this team up. Now, I was listening back to old podcasts of ours. Uh, I was driving around there. I had to do a bit of driving. I had to go do some stuff. Not much out there. And I was listening back to a couple of old podcasts of ours, Toby, and I listened to a podcast of ours that was called Fulham are just a fat girl waiting for last drinks at the bar, which was the post-Fulham podcast where we played very, very well. And then I also listened to one of our yeah. old podcasts. Which so basically called, Easy Prey. Easy Prey, yep. <laughs> listen to one of our old podcasts, which was called... Uh, the Arsenal game sucks. Let's play Hungry Hungry Hippos, which was after our Leicester loss last season that really put the icing on the cake of a bad month that killed top four for us. Now, Toby, you and I at that stage were still hopeful for Emery and our basis for excuses of Emery at that time were that he hadn't been given a transfer window. Now, listen very closely to what I say hadn't been given a transfer window to bring in his style of players. Now, Toby, I put it to you today that none of the players purchased were Emery players, and a large portion of the players who were sold, not just from a leadership perspective, but from a ball-carrying and running perspective, a lot of the players sold are players that Emery would have used this season and would have made Emery's football work better this season. So I put it to you guys that Emery didn't fuck this team as much as a board, as a transfer committee, fucked him and fucked this team by not actually backing him far enough to put together a team that made sense, that the board is more at fault than what Emery is. Toby, thoughts? Correct, correct. And I let's put a caveat in there that we are not absolving Emery or saying that he was the right manager or that no. he shouldn't have been sacked. So let's let's put that right there because he was part of this mess. But you are absolutely right. 
the the board and this ramshackle approach to recruitment got rid of all the leadership, all the ball carriers, bought players that Emery didn't want. They bought Torreira. Emery never wanted Torreira. He wanted a big body and a mobile player that he could trust in that position. A Wobi was sold from under him. Make no mistake, as much as we didn't like Mkhitaryan, Mkhitaryan was important in the Emery structure and the way it was playing and progressing the ball forward because we don't have those players. A Wobi, that was not, I'm telling you right now, that was not an, an Emery decision. Everything was stripped away and we have gone scattergun almost like you're you know almost like a football manager on fifa or pro ev or something like that there was no thought process about the cohesion of the team the you know i i i agree with you and i don't think we can absolve emery but i would be pointing both barrels squarely at the board and this you know whoever it is that that the team that puts together these transfers because it is it is a horrible combination of players that just don't work together that don't complement each other that are a slow our explosive power our ability to close down the space um short error prone center central defenders slow wingers top heavy Number nines, it just it doesn't work. I mean, does let's it? Talk and you've got Mesut Özil and Pepe in the let's same talk, team. Let's talk about the lack of ball carriers, just for a second. The fact that well, that's why Emery wanted Zahar. He didn't want Pepe. Absolutely. Let's look at the fact that Aaron and that Ramsey, power from the Aaron left. Ramsey, Henrik Mkhitaryan, and Alex Awobi for minutes played to chances created last season were the three the three players who created the most amount of chances per minutes played. Doesn't seem like an incredibly smart move from the board. And, I mean, Ryan, Toby and I had spoken about this, but I'll be really interested to kind of hear what you think about the idea of the board removing all of the senior leadership in one fell, sp- in one fell swoop. So that's Petr Cech, Aaron Ramsey, Henrik Mkhitaryan, Nacho Monreal, Monreal? Monreal. Laurent Koscielny, 50 pence P-head. What was his fucking name again? I always try and Lich say Schweinsteiger. And a Wobi who's been there Lich since Steiner. he was like six I years old. I wouldn't continue. I wouldn't add a Wobi into that. But No, but you think about someone who's part of the furniture. Yep, yeah. And I mean, before that, then even people like Jack Wilshere, who completely understood the club. You know, Ryan, what do you think about, I mean, from a management perspective tearing almost every single player who has professionalism who has a connection to the club or who has has won trophies has leadership qualities you go and tear all of that out in the summer and you say hmm who are we going to get to lead this club i've got so much of no fucking idea that i won't even name a new captain until i name jacker and then he'll tell the fans to fuck off like how much of that is just an incredibly retarded move from the board. Okay, before I start, Toby, I was going to interrupt you a few times, but I just opened up this beer. It's an Icelandic white ale. It's Einstock Olgas. Olger? I don't even know. 
it tastes like hot dog water. It literally tastes like I'm drinking a hot dog. But anyways, so I sounds fucking horrible. Yeah, it's actually not as bad as you would think, but hot dog water. It's like a dirty martini, but yeah, hot dog beer form. And I, I, I would think the Icelandics would like really nail beers too, but oh well. Probably got like like weird shit, fermented shark in there or something. Yeah, but it's got a cool ass Viking on the front. Like fuck, man, it looks fucking badass. But whatever. Anyways, so. I like disagree with pretty much all of what you guys are saying. It's just it's got to be the hot dog beer. I don't know, but uh, I mean, again, it it goes by like what you believe and what you know, what the media is putting out, what you think is real, what you think isn't real. And from what I gathered in my information, you know, I'm, I don't have a spy uh, at the colony. I'm a spy at Emirates Stadium, but. Uh, Emery told Ramsey he's not in his plans. That's a Emery knock. Emery's like, no, no, no. Yeah, I, Ramsey, I get out different. of here. Ramsey was never going to sign that contract. Check retired. Ever. Lichtensteiner Ramsey wanted, wanted 250k retired, in the contract. But again, Emery told him he's not in his plans. That's Emery's thing. Yeah, That's 250 it could, it could be a k because she got no hands. Could be a mix of him and the board. But nonetheless, Emery had his hand let's in not, that. Let's not let's not dig into semantics and things we don't understand. Well, it is, no, 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 it's not semantics because you guys are saying you guys are blaming the board understand. for Emery, and I'm telling you, no, Emery's to blame. Just if just as much, if not more, than the board, because the re- besides the board, do you think which that Emery you, wanted Pepe? Well, regardless, you just said he wants a ball carrier. And in the league right now, Pepe has the most successful dribbles out of any player in the Premier League. And he hasn't even played the whole season. He's got more dribbles than Zaha, who I think Zaha's missed, what, two games? Pepe's missed a lot more. And Pepe's leading the league in successive dribbles. So, I mean, what else do you consider? That's a ball carrier. Successful dribbles is a ball. So, I mean... I don't. I mean, don't forget don't though. We're not saying Emery wasn't the wrong coach. No, I know that. I know that. But just like you guys are trying what to. What we're like saying is there. Play the board for more than they is, should do. Yeah. No. 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 But we are. That's the thing. He Emery is a coach. He is not a manager. So yeah. this is systemic. This is. Set I agree. Up but when he came with the way. team, he told certain players, "You're not in my plans. You're not in my plans." And they yeah. Well, he backflipped on certain players because he was trying to assert his authority. But yeah, the, but he the, fucked himself. Uh, I did. The, he did. The, the and chest... no one's denying that, Ryan. No one is denying. No one yeah, is denying. Exactly. I actually think that Emery lost the the largest amount of his credibility when Özil came back into the team. Correct. And to some on, extent, on multiple Ramsey occasions as well. And, and yeah, absolutely, Toby. The same with Aaron Ramsey. We are not yeah, absolving. We are not absolving Unai Emery of not at all of of blame at all. That that is that is not the purpose. Not at all. The concept of what Toby and no. I were talking about today, what we kind of uncovered as we were sort of chatting back and forth, was that we can't see an Emery-style player based on the teams that he had success with in the past. We're struggling to see an because he got rid of a player <laughs> in that team, and the players that who were the players that were got rid of were closer to Emery-style players. So Danny mm. Welbeck, Emery-style player, granted. You know I love that guy, but love that guy. power, seen, pace, ability on hanged. the ball, ball carrying, tenacity, all of that. Awobi, yep. exactly the same. Massive Mik- unit. Mikatarian, exactly rocks the same. and diamonds, no but drove product. the play forward. Created what? 
how many chances per game, even though he was shite for the other. But again, these are all guys that Emery told, you're not in my plans. Then the board sold him. It's not the board was like, he hey, he we're going to sell these. He, he, he never told a Wobi. He fucking picked a Wobi all season. Oh, he no, a Wobie not a Wobi. A Wobi season. It was a smashing grab. He picked grab. Welbeck whenever he was, he was fit. Mil, said, and yeah. he picked Mikatarian whenever he was fit. And in fact, after he fucked off Ramsey and he bought Rams back in team, he picked that cunt whenever he was fit. Exactly. So all of those players that left, that had nothing to do with Emery. Emery has no power at that club in terms of buying and selling. That's the point of what we're trying to make. I, I, I don't agree. I, I think I just I think when, I think kind of what you guys are saying. I think when Emery came into the team, he wanted to show his little Spanish dick and say, "Hey, I'm gonna make some fucking moves. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, hey, you're coming in. Hey, you're not coming in. Hey, you're part of my plans. Hey, you're not part of my plans. Regardless of whether he played them or not, is I mean, I guess it it has a point to to be made, but still, he told some of these players, "You're not playing." And I, like I said, the Wobi thing, I don't count because a Wobi. We were offered forty mil. I'm taking that. Yeah. Whether he's your, yep. whether he's our guy, your guy in the 100%, system, out of the system, you're taking that shit all day, Ryan. Yeah. So yep. I just and Toby and I said I, the same thing. Toby and I said the same thing in the position yeah. that Arsenal are in financially. If someone offers you overs for a player, and I believe what we got offered by Everton was overs, you take it. But then you have to replace the attributes that that player had. The, the the things that that player was bringing to your team, regardless of end product. And I, you know, it comes back to my Aubameyang thing again. You know, I just keep coming full circle. End product is not always an indicator of overall team connection. I mean, if you go back to, to Santi Carzola, I think in his season where everyone was like, oh my God, Carzola was like, the best player in the ultimate everything. He was a a, a pre-assister or a pre-pre-assister. You know, so there's not a lot of metrics for those guys. And, and look, Awobi was Awobi was very much the same for me as a guy who was often starting things would get on the ball and drive. Danny Welbeck as well. Everyone knows my erection for Danny Welbeck for that guy. I, I, you know, pure athlete, just a just a absolute fucking hack, um, physically. But what a pure athlete. But sort of to round this up, I don't think that we are absolving Emery. I don't think that that's what we're trying to do. And I really do feel what you're saying, Ryan. And I do agree with a lot of what a lot of what you say. I just think that there's that if we just dig slightly deeper, the systemic issues and the problems with the club are about not making the right decisions about not making key decisions about players about Ryan uh, just quickly because you didn't you didn't touch on it we kind of got hung up on on the Emery thing but the part that you kind of didn't respond to was what I was saying about the leadership and about tearing all of the leadership out of the club at once as far as a, a an age area and essentially dropping Arsenal's age demographic down really quickly I'm I'm just interested to to what you think about that, what you think about how much we've fallen to pieces and, and, and how we've lent on people like Granite Xhaka, who told the crowd to fuck off, and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who's really a good-time party boy and not the guy that you want to lean on when times are tough. I mean, I think our leaders were fucked from the jump. I mean, our captain was Lauren Koscielny, who, who multiple reports 
multiple times, cried in the dressing room. His kids made fun of Arsenal, made him cry. His kids made him cry talking about his team. We had no leaders in the team beforehand. Yeah, we had we had players that wore the armband more times than not, but we never had leaders. When Emery when Emery walked in, we did not have any leaders. And I think Petacek not a leader. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm I'm, I'm in the camp. I didn't rate Czech high. I mean, in Chelsea he at Chelsea he was good, but when he came no, with the not team, as I a wasn't pl- not as a player as not as a player as a leader. Do you so not think about, that, like, do you not think he garnered respect? Do you not think when he his, walked his into the room off the field as much yeah. as on? Say that I, I didn't hear you say that one more time, Toby. So older men setting example and acting in a mentoring way, setting example off the field. Okay, I was going to say that. So More than on or yes. as well as on. So I think there's a huge difference, and I know may disagree with me a little bit. I think there's a big difference between being a leader and being a role model. I think Czech is a role model and someone you want to, as a man, kind of base yourself off of and just as someone be off the pitch. But like on the field, as a leader to lead a football team, I don't, not for me. And, like, and that's the thing too. Like like I said, like I was saying before, I'm not his biggest fan. Uh, I think I thought he did a really good job in Chelsea. But when he came into when he came to Arsenal, I was not too. I was not happy. Not entirely happy about it. Didn't think he had the best Arsenal career. And hey, he ended up snubbing us at the end anyway. We offered him a job. He says, "Nah, fuck you guys. I'm going back to Chelsea." What so. about a consummate professional such as Monreal? Mm. Again, I, I I think he's in the same campus check. I think he's more of a I, I I would consider him more of a leader, but I than check, but I do think he's more of a role model than a leader. Um I think Montreal was willing to yell at players. Is a leader cuz he smashes cunts? Is who he? Kalasinach. Well, no, you <laughs> cuz there's different forms of leadership. No, hey, and yeah, and I I'm, I want to say it might have been like my first podcast. Let me let me here. flip this on its head, Ryan. Kinds. Let me flip this on its head. Who would Arsenal now as a leader? I don't. Mm, you're talking about our best leader, but, by, or who by we your have that by is your leader? own metric, by your own metric, separating leaders and uh, role models. I'd like to know from you right now: who would Arsenal as a leader, and who would Arsenal as a role model? Who's Ken Doozy learning from? Who's he looking up to? Who's leading him on the pitch, and who's his role I model off really the pitch? I really think we have any. That's like we, exactly. we haven't had any in quite some time. I mean, the closest one, maybe Bellerin, maybe. But even he's then, I, I feel like he doesn't really get loud. He doesn't really. I feel like he's not someone that's. Gonna he's a good guy. Get, who's yeah, he's good. not going to get in someone's face and be like, "You fucked up." We need that. We haven't had that in quite some time. Montreal will yell here and there, but. Eh. I think one of the biggest issues, one of the most unspoken issues of this season is the fact that we systematically removed every loud voice, every leader, every professional. Power plays. And every Power role model. Plays. It's like a schoolyard bully. Out of the team. Yep. Yep. It's because Emery wanted yep. to pick his or, own leader. And then or when he panicked, a, a leader. Oh, Xhaka. Uh, uh. It's like my friend. Yeah, I, he, I reckon uh, you're onto something, Max. It's like a, <sighs> an insane manager who gets rid of all of their competition so that they can get to the top, so they can have the power struggle. Yeah, it's very, it's very, it's a really, really, really strange, really, really, really strange mm. 
thing to talk and about. And I reckon but... Ra- Raul would be the most complicit. Yeah, Look, let's that. not let's not dig into that because I think that I think that almost what's happened now as far as Arsenal fans I I, I think that we we can't blame Emery anymore. And so we started having a go at players. And then once we felt that that had got old, we started looking towards the board. And we've got no fucking idea what's going on behind the scenes. Honestly, we're not journalists. We don't have our finger on the pulse. We're not breaking new news. You know, we're basically waiting for for people like the Ornicle, you know, to, to come and tell us something that the club has fed him intentionally to tell us. So it's not something that we understand. The inner workings of the board, the internal arguments, what happened with Mislintat, what happened with Gazidis, you know, all of that shit is just, just guessing games, guys. And I guess it brings us full circle. It's been a really, really good conversation tonight. I've really enjoyed it because there's lots of different opinions. And, you know, the Ask Bros are all about the three Ds. We're all about discussion, debate, and dick jokes. And I think we've covered all three of those tonight. But just to finish off, uh, just a quick little open table conversation, just to get us to the the next stage of Arsenal and get us moving forward. And I'll 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 pose this question. And I'll let you guys kind of hash it out for five minutes. But Freddie is not the Messiah, and Freddie doesn't have a magic wand. With the squad that he has, how much change can he actually bring about in what may end up being a small amount of time? And what sort of what sort of, of, of ideals and what sort of constraints should we put on what Freddie's tenure should look like? I, I mean as an interim manager is he here to do anything more than just carry the can for the next guy? Or are we expecting to see these drastic results out of him when he's left with the same disjointed group of players that Emery had? Look, I, I think first and foremost, and so, sorry, Ryan, I'll jump in on this one. It's about, it. inc- it's about It's about increasing the cohesion and the mentality and the happiness of the squad. That's what he can do immediately. And we all we all decided before, or we were all saying, there's a, just two or three very quick moves that he could play that were logical, that would add cohesion and a bit of balance. But I think his primary job in terms of change, coming back to your question, is bringing back some of the freedom, the smiles and the pleasure of playing football. All right? So in terms of change, I think that's what he's done. And he's already stated that's what he's going to do. In terms of his remit, all he can do is go game to game and carry the can for the next manager because that's what it's all about. We, he's not the Messiah. He's not a particularly naughty boy, but he's, he's not, not the, the Messiah. Messiah. He's a naughty little boy. <laughs> you know, the... I think the things that the the team needs is down to spacing in particular. I think that's my biggest thing, the spacing, the closing of the space between the midfield players and the defence, whether we play a higher line or not, I'm I'm not so sure. Bringing in some proper wingers and, and flooding the midfield space with just more bodies and hard-working runners and playing players 
in rightful positions instead of, you know, slow Mesut Ozil on the left, you know, or, you know, your banging man on the right and Lacazette through the centre. You know, we need to be playing one number nine, two very hardworking wingers inside forwards, some type of attacking cohesive player in the middle, a two deep lying pivot because you've got to protect that back four and then tighten up the back four and have your full backs protecting their centre-backs a little bit better as well as moving the play forward. So really, they're carrying. he's carrying the can for the next manager, but we, we can't foresee what's going to happen. So if he makes an upturn in form, if we start seeing smiles on faces again, if he makes some power plays and benches someone to add better balance in the team, you know, he has a mouth, he has an ability to man-manage, and explain to his players why he's doing it for the greater good, for the good of the team, and generate that buy-in and empower them to be selfless you know, and team-orientated rather than individual. And I feel like a lot of these players play as individuals rather than a collective. Then perhaps we can see him with a longer-term thing. But honestly, mate, I think this is game to game. We've just about hit rock bottom we need to say see a little bit of an upturn. If there is a great manager available, he carries the can for two, three, four games until that. If not, we give him the season, we see who's available and we see the results. I don't I don't think we can have a predefined plan. Either there's someone right at the right time or there's not. And let's just hope Freddie and his beautiful face can carry us forward and lift our spirits and bring back a bit of the bit of the mentality of the invincibles ryan if freddie is the well, interim so manager thanks buddy. interim manager ryan is it stupid of us to expect a manager bounce when this manager isn't the new manager and the players oh, well the board have made it clear that there's a long list of people who are coming in do we do we need to put aside the idea that we're going to get uh, I hate to say it, but the Mourinho bounce when those players know that Mourinho is the next couple of years, when our players know that Freddie may only be the next couple of games. I mean, we should have a bounce. Uh, you know, when when Ole took took over Man U on a caretaking same same thing as Freddie took over when they fired Mourinho. Uh, they had a bounce. They had a nice they had a nice pep in their step. They were doing their thing. Um, so I do expect Arsenal to do that. Um, will they? Nah, that's a different story. You know, when when you guys had your hot topic and you talked about, you know, is this team top four quality? And you guys systematically broke down each section of our team. And while I enjoyed it, don't get me wrong, but I don't care about systematically breaking down is it midfield top four, is it defense top four? Our team is top four. Our team should finish top four. You know, I, I do think that we're in a little bit of a hole. I don't know if we can come back from it, but on paper, our team should 100% finish top four. Um, I, I think just the Emery poison just kind of got in, injected into everybody's veins, and I think Freddie is here now to, you know, suck the poison out. How much can he suck out? <laughs> Better have a deep throat because I don't know. Um, I, I think <laughs> I think that uh, – I think – there's a lot of problems in this club more than what we as Arsenal fans, you know, think. I think there's it's a, there's some deep, deep, deep cancer that's in this club, and 
you could you can name Kroenke, you can name the board, you can, you can name so many things, but there's just so many pieces of this puzzle that need to be fixed, and hopefully, Freddie can uproot those pieces and and at least you know if he could fix it, that'd be fucking awesome, that'd be phenomenal, you know. But at, at least I think you know bring, coming into the team, you know, as someone who played for Arsenal in in the heydays. You know, in the heyday, I think he needs to a uproot these problems and make them apparent to the board, to everybody. Like, hey, like I'm struggling in this in this area. We need to fix this. We need to buy this kind of player, and kind of sort of like make it easier for the next manager to kind of come in and, and like know what they want, know how to get it, and get it. And I think he just needs to also like, you know, people make this this, this saying they go, oh, we got our arsenal back, and there's our arsenal. I think he needs to bring that arsenal. He needs to bring that mentality that, you know, that that saying, you know, we got arsenal back. He needs to bring that to the players and needs to show them like, hey, I was on the team, you know, when we were, we were pumping, when we were thumping, when we were fucking doing the damn thing, when we were just, you know, making moves, going 49 games unbeaten and all that awesome awesome erectile i was gonna say dysfunction but that's the opposite viagra inducing stuff function when we were erectile function so hopefully he could just you know kind of change the mentality of the team kind of get this culture kind of back in a swing a little bit because it's been a disarray for quite 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 some time and yeah like i said you know if he could fix problems great but i think i think now is a time to Suck the poison out and uproot as many problems, because there's, I think there's way more than any of us think, and uh, it's definitely going to be a big task. And honestly, I, I think Freddie can do the job. I think he'll do an okay job. I do. I don't think that our next manager is going to be the answer. Now, I don't care who it is, unless it's a young person that we're willing to give a lot of time to. Which I guess with our our track record, our track record, we are, but this these problems are going to take a lot of time, and I do not expect even after Freddie, I don't expect the next manager to even fix them all. It's gonna it's gonna be a while, a long long time. <sighs> Guys, a final word from me, and this goes out to all of the Arsenal fans. Our issues are systemic. There is scar tissue here. It is not something that is going to be immediately fixed. And it is not something where a magic wand is going to be cast over it. And all of a sudden, you know, like Hermione is going to be hot. Because you thought she was going to be hot. Hermione is a lot like the Arsenal team. Like early Hermione, like young illegal Hermione, you would think like, oh man, like couple of years and fuck yeah, magic wands everywhere. But no, as time went on, we realized that maybe Hermione wasn't going to turn into what she was going to be. And then by the time she became legal, we were like, Oh yeah, I I probably would, or I couldn't. That is the Arsenal, guys. That is where we are right now. We're not what we thought we were going to be. We need to accept that. And maybe we'll still fuck us anyway. But 
Does that make Ron Weasley Unai Emery? I'm I was, very confused. I was waiting for that. <laughs> so, guys, this has been an Ask Brothers Rankcast. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook at Ask Bros Rant. And catch us tomorrow. We're going to be on the fantastic podcast from our mate Andrew the Hickley Gooner. Uh, we're going to be on his podcast from Dial Square to Wear. We're going to be on 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 video. So we've got to show our ugly fucking heads. Uh, Manny Jesus. Riz is going to be there. I don't think he's going to show his head. I, 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 he's, he's got something at the moment where he doesn't want to he doesn't want to be on video. It's because he's too beautiful. You have to understand these things. Guys, we loved having you. Uh, we loved having you on this ramble. As always, we are you. You are us. We are FUBU. It's for us. It's by us. This is us, bros. We're the three Ds. Debate, discussion, and dick jokes. And we will catch you next month, or we'll catch you next week on a hot topic with Manny Riz. Either or. Peace out, guys. Thank you very much. Bye.